And welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you on this 2022 year in review. And we like to review what happened, what God did over the last year, at the end of each year. Adam McManus, our host at theworldview.com and co-host on this program, is probably the best person to be with me as we talk about the news. Since 2005, Adam... For 17 years, we've covered world history, U.S. history, significant events in the development of his story, history, on the last weekday of the year. And I enjoy history. I know you do, too. I love it. And it's a chance to reflect on the good, the bad, and the ugly, but God is sovereign over all, isn't he? That's right. Exactly. These are not random events in a chaotic universe. If that was the case, you know, who needs the news? Uh, we're not looking at random events in a chaotic universe. We're looking at the playing out of God's plan in history, and I am enthralled. I'm at the edge of my chair right now in studio, and it turns out a person's worldview does dictate what is significant and what is not significant. And so, therefore, you know, we're going to be siphoning through the tens of thousands, no, make that tens of millions of events that occurred in 2022, and identifying those things that are significant and helpful. And means by which we interpret the direction to which history is heading at this point. Now, this is the 2022nd year since the coming of Jesus Christ, and almost 2,000 years since his death, burial, and resurrection. And, of course, don't forget his ascension to the right hand of the Father, where he is what? He is ruling. He is ruling until his enemies are on his footstool. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. So that is the overriding position of all of history. We need to remember that, that uh, Jesus is sovereign and he is over all things to the church. And all of these things that are happening are to the benefit of his church. And we'll get to the persecutions as well. All of this to the benefit of the church of Jesus Christ. So Adam, let's take a look. It's not past tense. It's not, he has ruled, he is ruling. It's present tense. That's right. And will rule uh, until all of his enemies are under his footstool. Well, Let's look at politics. Politically, it was the year that America went to war. Well, not so much, but it was the American war in the Ukraine with the United States and the EU to a lesser extent, funding 90 to 95 percent of the war against Russia. Senators Rand Paul, Mike Lee and Josh Hawley could not whip themselves up enough to vote for funding for the war. And now we're upwards of 100 billion dollars into this thing. Anyway, the Democrats thought it was a terrific opportunity to fund a war. And, you know, did the calculation on this, that's uh, $1,500 for every family of five in America to fund the war in the Ukraine. You know, I was thinking as I put this together, I just wish that President Biden had gone door to door asking for voluntary donations to his war. (laughs) Would 95% of American families write a check for $1,500 for the war? I just don't think so. I don't think they'd be that much in favor of it. Wouldn't have gotten it from me. Yeah, I don't think so. But you know what? Let's just say this, Adam. We do encourage private donations to private charities and churches that are on the front lines, helping the wounded, the devastated, uh, men, women, children, uh, families who have been devastated by the war in the Ukraine. And I would recommend Samaritan Purse, of course. They've got a tremendous ministry. Uh, I think they've served something like eight or nine million of the, uh, the victims of this particular war, at least in the Ukraine. So 
you know, we appreciate the, what some of these ministries are doing, and we encourage folks to support by voluntary charitable dollars to the uh, the wounded and the devastated. Yeah, Samaritan's Purse is at samaritanspurse.org, no apostrophe, of course. I would also recommend Johnny and Friends, founded by Johnny Erickson Tata, the quadriplegic who broke her neck when she dove into the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland back in the 1960s. She is just a force to be reckoned with in the power of the Holy Spirit. She has galvanized in Ukraine in particular hundreds of volunteers from surrounding countries to come in to help the disabled and to get them into places of safety. Of course, they have all kinds of additional special needs regarding transportation. And if you want to give a gift that means something on the front lines of Ukraine, go to johnnyandfriends.org, spelled J-O-N-I, johnnyandfriends.org. Let's move on as we do our 2022 year in review on Generations Economically. 2022 was the year that, well, the everything bubble popped the chickens came home to roost that nine trillion dollars of stimmy checks. Remember, we received so much of that stolen money by the Federal Reserve that well, that roughly nine trillion dollars in inflation lost value on all of your savings. So how does that happen? Nine trillion dollars of stimmy checks results in roughly nine trillion dollars in inflation. How, how, how does that happen? Well, that's why we published our book, How the World Runs and Your Part in an Economics Primer for 14-Year-Olds and everybody else who needs to learn about quantitative easing and fractional reserve banking and inflation. I'm raising my hand on that one. Kevin, I'm as confused as the next guy about all this quantitative easing. Well, the quantitative easing is just the construction of money out of thin air to fund the debt, which in turn fund all those stimmy checks uh, throughout the COVID-19 years. So. That, my friends, is what happens is government uh, makes money out of thin air, gives you free money, and then all of your savings uh, begins to lose value by about the same amount of money that they gave you in terms of stimmy checks and maybe even a little bit more. So that's kind of the way it works, my friends. <laughs> it's, a, it's a simple concept, but uh, sadly, most Americans not aware of what is going on. Official inflation numbers for 2021 and 2022 were 7.0% and 7.1%. Now, the Federal Reserve spent the year raising federal funds rates from roughly 0% to 4.3% in hopes of bringing inflation down. Well, obviously, they didn't do anything to slow down inflation. The 2022 rate was almost exactly the same, slightly above the 2021 rate. So keep at it, fellows. You're going to have to continue uh, raising the uh, the interest rates. And, of course, the result of raising interest rates is uh, housing bust. And that's precisely what's going on now is that big housing bubble is exploding. That that big popping sound you're hearing, that's the that's the housing <laughs> bust. That's what's happening let, right now. Let me cite some of these. San Francisco down 13%, Seattle down 12.2, San Diego 8.5, Denver down 6.7, Los Angeles down 6.6%, Phoenix down 5.9%, Dallas down 5.6%, Las Vegas down 5.2%, and that doesn't even touch on the Bitcoin that bit the bullet, losing 75% of its value. We've got one of them who's the leader headed off to jail for all kinds of fraud. Yeah, it's uh, it was an explosion of, uh, well, the house built out of cards. Right? That's the way I would put it. Is you've got an economy that's effectively 
built out of cards and everybody was trying to get rich quick and it just didn't turn out that way. The Nasdaq and other indexes lost 35% of value. Uh, it's about halfway down the slope at this point. We'll see when things settle out. Also, before we take the break, it was the year of Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, for two months. Elon Musk lost half his wealth in a few months. He was worth $28 billion in early 2020. $28 billion in early 2020, climbing to $300 billion mid-2022. So in 18 months, he was up, what is that, about $270 billion. Slipped back to $150 billion a few months later. He spent uh, forty-four billion on Twitter or something of a on something of a free speech campaign, and it was more of a house of cards. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations broadcast. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk, and those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains, to provide quality time for you to connect with your son. Can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there, and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we are back, my friends, on the 2022 Year in Review, the 17th year we have done this as we consider what God is doing in world history And I would say the biggest story of the year was the Dobbs case, the U.S. Supreme Court case that reversed Roe v. Wade, the abortion decision of 1973, turning the question relating to killing babies over to the United States electorate. The reversal of Roe v. Wade was a major test in the history of this country and in the history of the world, in the history of democracy, in the history of elections. God was testing the heart of the American voter the grassroots, the churches, would they repent? That was the question. After 50 years of killing babies, what would happen as the U.S. Supreme Court, a more conservative court, mostly because of the appointees provided by President Donald Trump, turned the decision back over to the American electorate? And that's why the 2022 midterm elections were the most important, the most critical elections in American history. What was the heart of the American public? Would they repent of this self-centered abortion spirit that has reigned for nigh unto half a century in this country? Well, it was the year the loyal opposition to the leftist agenda sort of collapsed during the midterm election. It was not a pretty sight. Well, just recently, in terms of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade on June 24th, we reported on Wednesday that Florida abortions dropped by 11,000 this year alone, dropping from 79,000 babies killed by abortion in 2021 to 68,000 this year. And that's with a very nominal pro-life law, a 15-week abortion ban that was passed this summer. We certainly saw that in a greater 
demonstration throughout some of the trigger law states in Texas. We saw thousands of babies saved, not only from the heartbeat bill, but the subsequent trigger law. It is just a delight to think that actual, literal people's lives who will hopefully grow up into a ripe old age in a rocking chair with lots of grandkids around their ankles whose lives might have otherwise been taken had it not been for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I think of Proverbs 24.11, rescue those who are stumbling to slaughter. And that's exactly what the bold conservative majority did, thanks to Donald Trump's three appointees. Well, it was the year the loyal opposition to the leftist agenda sort of collapsed during the midterm election. These are tough times for liberty and banner years for big government socialists in this world. The pink tide of socialism hit South America like a tsunami with almost the whole continent shifting to socialism or communism over the last few years. Brazil's presidential election shifted socialist. Chile capitulated to socialism in March of this year. Peru in July of last year. Australia tipped towards leftists in July and of this year. And England's short dalliance with conservative politics ended after some 44 days when Liz Trust moved on. All eyes were on America in the November election. It was the last bastion for political freedom in the world and survey says well it wasn't a red wave more of a red ooze of chief concern as i said was the american response to dobbs what would happen in the electorate i'm not talking about the use of abortifacients the day after pill or the kill pill by mail it's hard to know how many abortions are going on in the country at this point but where is the heart of america when it comes to the referendums that was the question that the elections would reveal for us every pro-life referendum went down in flames the most critical vote occurred in kentucky where voters rejected a pro-life amendment by a vote of 51.4 percent to 48.6 percent following kansas's lead last summer kansas rather flaccid pro-life initiative had gone down in flames in july Uh, montana's born alive referendum didn't make it in november by a vote of 52.6 percent to 47.4 percent another heartbreaker michigan's pro-abortion referendum was enthusiastically received by the electorate a vote of 56 percent to 44 percent even some pro-abort democrats had opposed the radicalized measure claiming it went too far to include infanticide but that didn't seem to quell the excitement of michigan voters california was also a landslide for killing babies the enthusiasm was unquenchable as the left coast endorsed their referendum by a vote of 65 to 35 kentucky was among the top 12 most pro-life states as measured by current trigger laws it's hard to say what will happen to the remaining 11 states in the future of this country where is the heart of the country is the nation more committed to killing babies fighting inflation or just ignoring the whole mess and stumbling further down the path to Gomorrah. That was the question we asked this year. Retiring Republican U.S. Senator Robin Portman from Ohio won his seat by a vote of 58% to 37% in 2016. Republican J.D. Vance hung on to it this November by a 53 to 47 vote. Meanwhile, Republicans lost their U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania to a far-left politician. Though the Democrats were saddled with an unpopular president, and economic problems more serious than anything faced by this nation in a generation. They gained only 17 seats in the House and lost one seat in the U.S. Senate. So President Harry Truman lost 55 House seats to his party in his first midterm elections. Bill Clinton lost 53. Barack Obama lost 63. But Biden only lost 17 seats. The loyal opposition hardly showed up to fight the most important fight in this nation's history, at least when it comes to the elections. You know, it's really shocking because... I had never seen those numbers side by side as you presented them in the notes that you emailed me, and I was stunned that it was that bad. I mean, that we had 
many more reasons for Joe Biden to lose seats in the midterm election, and yet only 17. To what do you attribute that? I mean, here's a guy who obviously has some kind of mental challenge right now in terms of his age and his ability to think and speak. All joking aside, there are some clear medical issues at play, not to mention his radical leftist policies and the inflation. Why do you think it is that Bill Clinton and Barack Obama lost 53 and 63 seats respectively in their midterm election, and yet Biden only lost 17? What has changed in the American electorate that we don't think it's important to turn out you know, the party of, of Biden? Well, I don't think that Americans are committed to a pro-life agenda. I don't think Americans are committed to an anti-socialist agenda. I don't think Americans in the heartland are committed enough to the principles that matter most. And therefore, the loyal opposition is not loyal, is not principled, and therefore does not produce much of an opposition. So that would be my assessment Now, Trump provided something of a conservative pushback for a period of four years. No question about that in my mind. Donald Trump was something of a wild card in the mix, and yet he's virtually gone now. He's not as much an influence today as he was. And so I don't think Americans are as influenced by these nationalistic waves as they used to be. These tend to be temporary waves. They don't tend to give uh, a toughening to the opposition, and the opposition just comes and goes with the personality as that personality comes and goes. And so as Trump has faded, it seems that the opposition has weakened as well. There was something of a temporary nationalistic wave that came by the Tea Party, by Trump, by Boris Johnson in the UK, but that has sort of dissipated at this point. So that would be my understanding of what has happened in the last election. I just don't think there's much of a loyal opposition. And those that take a strong principle to stand don't tend to get a a strong enough support from the electorate. Uh, So that's where we are right now. I mean, think about it, Adam, until you see the churches reviving, until you see the uh, schools and the universities turning more conservative, do you really think we're going to see elections turning more conservative, at least in the long term. I I still think there's got to be a change in the grassroots if we're going to see a change in politics. Politics is only a derivative of what is going on in the grassroots, in the cultural expressions of a nation. It was the year of women presidents. Isaiah 312 was really kicking in. Italy's Georgia Maloney was the 16th female head of state out of 45 European countries, a list that included the UK, Scotland, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, and Sweden. It's the largest number of women leading countries in all of European history and arguably all of world history. Tensions with China and Russia were on the increase over Taiwan over in China, and Ukraine over near Russia. Some characterize the war as waged between the progressives in the West and the traditionalists in the East, ironic given the heritage of communism in the East. America has about 1,500 nuclear warheads deployed today. China stands at 400, soon to be 1,500 by 2030-ish. And now we find that China's Gen-class submarines type 094 are equipped with JL-3 intercontinental ballistic missiles, and Russia has about 1,600 nukes ready to go. They've tested delivery systems this year that can run at hypersonic speeds close to 4,000 to 5,000 miles per hour. So much development in nuclear weaponry in just the last year and certainly more discussion 
uh, concerning the use of these nuclear weapons is World War III next year. Who knows? And then when we turn to look at the pop culture in this year in review, Kevin, we have seen a tremendous downhill slide just in what's happening at Disney. From 2017, Beauty and the Beast, where they featured, I think, one homosexual character. Now, I don't think you can look at a Disney film or one of their superhero genre that doesn't have a primary homosexual character virtually in every one of their films. But there is hope because Toy Story 4, Strange World were box office busts, weren't they? They sure were. And I think they lost something like $200 million in these recent productions of the homosexualized uh, films for children. It was also the year that the National Association of Evangelicals and the Council of Christian Colleges and Universities, not to mention the Mormon Church, compromised by supporting the worst bill of the year. Um, and, of course, 12 Republican senators walked over the edge and cast their votes for the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Judas and that legislation opened the doors for incestuous and polygamous marriages. It was just an outrageous bill. It was hard to believe that the evangelicals and the Mormons would go for it. Well, I've called them Judas Iscariots, and I think that is accurate. They totally betrayed us. No wonder Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Democrat Party in the Senate, had delayed the vote until after the midterm election because some of these squishy rhino Republicans would have not fared well in their elections had they voted before the midterms. I would say it was the most shameful bill uh, that was approved by the U.S. Congress and signed off by the President of the United States in the last 20 to 30 years. It's hard to say it's the worst bill in all of history, but it certainly codified Obergefell into American jurisprudence. And the results, of course, will be catastrophic because when these uh, folks will stand in the face of Almighty God, lift up the fist and uh, challenge God's law, God's order for marriage and for sexuality. Friends, the results of that kind of approach before the judgment seat of Almighty God will not be good. And I would say that uh, uh, God is calling the Christian colleges and the evangelical churches to repentance on matters like this. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that there is an open door here for incestuous and polygamous marriages. A lot of people don't understand that because, frankly, it's not been well reported by the conservative or Christian media. But what the law does specifically say is if one state allows for a certain type of arrangement for marriage, right now homosexual marriage is kind of the banner of the day, but should there be an open door in any state, California, New York, name some blue state, that says polygamous marriage, three people or more can be a legitimately state-sanctioned arrangement, then federal law kicks in. This particular Disrespect for Marriage Act kicks in that Biden just signed mid-December, and that means that polygamous marriage now becomes the rule of law for all 50 states. It is more horrific than people know. It's not just the codification of Obergefell. It's a lot more than that. A little bit of good news for 2022 as we look at the year in review on Generations. The U.S. Supreme Court, probably the best news of the year for conservatives, reigning in gun control laws, environmental laws, school choice restrictions by a 6-3 vote on June 30th. Justice has limited the EPA's ability to regulate carbon emissions from power plants. In New York State, uh, Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin, the court ruled 6-3 for June 23rd. 
that states with strict laws on carrying guns in public violate the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. In a landmark 6-3 opinion cheered by school choice advocates, justices also ruled on June 21st that Maine cannot exclude religious schools from a state program that allows parents to use vouchers to send their children to public or private schools, either one. And, of course, we talked about the Dobbs case and the reversal of Roe v. Wade. So it was relatively good year for the U.S. Supreme Court. The American Federation for the Children targeted 40 incumbent state legislators who opposed school choice in the 2022 midterms. It turned out to be a good investment of the group's $9 million. It turned out that education freedom was a big winner on Election Day. It was probably the only conservative win happening in the elections. Moms for Liberty secured a majority on the local school board in Charleston. The leftists were unable to repeal Arizona's school choice law through a ballot referendum. And we talked about the reversal or we talked about the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in favor of school choice for Maine. So these were good news. There's some good news for school choice, some good news for education, for good news for parents who want to make the choice when it comes to the education of their children. Now, as so allowed or directed by the providential decrees of God, the devil has for the moment gained a fair amount of ground over the government powers of this world. Persecution on the rise against Christian churches around the world. We recover it almost every day on the worldview in five. This affects especially nations like India, Nigeria, China, Eritrea, Myanmar, Indonesia, and various other Muslim nations. As I mentioned, the pink tide of socialism also taking over South America. Freedom has waned around the world as measured by Freedom House and has uh, continued to wane since the Christian influence failed in America in the year 2007, which is where I would put it. Now, let's take a look at a few of the significant deaths of the year. It was the year that Jerry Lee Lewis died and went to meet his maker. He was the last man standing from the birth of rock and roll, and we noted that there was some Modicum of the fear of God in his last testimonies, a shocker to just about anybody left in the Western world. What? Somebody still fears God? Somebody still recognizes the judgment of God and the existence of heaven and hell beyond the grave? He said he was nervous about facing his own death. It made him nervous, and he really clung to the Bible and realized he had made some bad choices over his life, sinful choices. And, of course, most significant, it was the year that Queen Elizabeth II died. And I would say, in a real sense, the end of an era, the end of the West, the Western Christian heritage of 1,200 years from the days of Alfred and Athelstan to the present day, 1,200 years of Christian influence in the UK, in England, in the systems of law that governed the Western world, beginning with England and then working its way into the United States of America in the 1600s and 1700s. With the churches, it was the year of woke. It was the year that we discovered we must define right and wrong by the law of God or we have nothing left to the faith. So churches were split largely on woke issues. It was the year of pastor burnout, higher rates than ever before. It was also the year that the remnant toughened. It was the year for big books, tough books, epoch, the rise and fall of the West, my book endorsed by John MacArthur. But also Vody Bauckham's book, Fault Lines, The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe. And don't forget Eric Metaxas's Letter to the American Church. Some tough books came out in 2022. American faith is toughening up a little against the hurricane force of the modern zeitgeist. And by the way, I would add, I've, I've just interviewed Eric Metaxas for another program and hope to do so for generations as well. But fascinating look at 
a comparison of the similarities between the German Church of the 1930s under Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party and the American Church today. Fascinating parallels, disturbing, sobering. I have the book, have not yet had a chance to read it, but Eric Metaxas just hits the ball out of the park every time. And what a great book indeed for you to consider for the new year 2023 in light of his copious amounts of research for his two and a half, three inch thick biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He is the man to have written this book, and it's a book that this audience needs to read, and I hope you'll read it along with me this coming year. And for us, it was the year of outstanding growth for the Generations Ministry, worldwide interest, expanding, exploding, and family discipleship. It was also the year of unrelenting trial and tribulations beyond anything we had ever seen, but the grace of God sustained us. Praise God. In the good news category, also family discipleship and homeschooling growing everywhere as the one major holdout to the secularization and homosexualization of the schools and popular cultural systems, not just in this country, but all over the world. This appears to be the last bastion for freedom and the preservation of a civilization, a future church and the Christian faith itself. As this ministry moves on to strengthen the things that remain, to disciple the nations where they are still discipleable, what is God calling us to now? Let me just say this. God is calling us to humility. Zephaniah 3 comes to mind. Let me leave you with these verses. Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation, before the decree is passed or the day passes like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness Seek humility, it may be, that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. And that wraps up our 2022 Year in Review on the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, Adam McManus, your servants, on this edition of the Generations Broadcast. And may God bless you in 2023 as you continue to seek His face and to walk in His ways. 